It was on a pack of pew night in 1995. I was in eighth grade, and um, we were encouraged to invite our friends, classmates, to an event at the church that I was attending. And it was a youth kind of evangelism night, and we were watching a video of a 70s um, left-behind series kind of thing. And so the, the idea was that you bring your friends, and they're going to get the truth. They're going to be able to see what it's going to be like when, when Jesus comes back, and they don't want to be left without knowing Christ, or else they're going to go to hell. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go, and I'm going to invite my friends. And so I and, and started sending out invites to my friends, and they started uh, saying yes. And then I asked some guys from my basketball team. And before you know it, I had about 10, maybe 12 kids that could sit on my row. And I'm not going to kid you. I was one of the top youth who had the most kids, all right? And then I felt good about that. I felt really good about that in my heart. That was prideful. I get it now. But back then, it was confusing. All right, and I and invite them. We all packed up. You know, I'm like, watch the video. It's going to be awesome. And so we watched this 70s video of the end times. And I felt certain that when this event was over, that all of my friends on that row were going to know Jesus. And, and that was important to me because the year before, that summer, I became a Christ follower. And so my desires were starting to change, but yet I was wrestling with this. It's a huge wrestling match because in eighth grade, I had a lot of friends who did not want to love Jesus. And in fact, me, myself, many days, did not want to love Jesus, although I was a Christ follower. And this was very confusing to me, but I had somebody pouring into me, discipling me and saying, hey, I want you to bring your friends with you to church. So I just started doing that. And I thought that the way to win them all to Jesus was to pack the pew, let them watch this video, feel the conviction, and repent and follow Christ like I did. And when the video was over, we look, and I have the most confused friends down the aisle. And they're like, what did we just watch? And I realized that it wasn't the pack a pew night that was going to save all my friends. But what I did come to find out was that when I began inviting one friend over to the house to play basketball, and then we'd stop and talk about Jesus. And then I'd go hang out at a friend's house and I'd make sure that conversation went to Jesus. Then all of a sudden they began to listen all the more. And what I started learning from a very young age is that evangelism isn't about just reaching the masses with events. But the most effective way of evangelism is the one-on-one -on -one discipleship making. And, and that's so slow it's so painful. It seems like we're wasting time because we have all the masses. But here's what happens, church. We hear that we need to go reach the lost. And we think about thousands upon thousands upon thousands of lost people. And that's probably because I stand up here and say, there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people that are lost. And we're going, we need to reach them. Like I need to go and save all of them. But then what happens is we find ourselves not even reaching one. And so what we did back in 2013, 2014, we said, let's reach 12, the 12. How many of you were around at that time when we said, hey, let's, let's reach the 12? And we said, hey, think of 12 people that you can reach one person a month. And we said, if, if we'll go and we'll reach 12 people a year and we'll all do this collectively and we'll do it for five years. And here we are heading into 2018, this be the fifth year 
then we will tell close to 16,000 people in this area about Jesus. Very intentional. But here's what I realized with that. You, you got to keep that number in front of you, but even 12 can seem overwhelming at times when we're not even sharing with one. And so here's, here's what I want to encourage us with today. Reach one person. One person. Can you think of one person right now that does not know Jesus? That doesn't have the joy of walking in Christ like you do? That's living life on their own strength, with their own ideas, with their own initiatives, and they're not even really concerned about what happens when they die. Can you think of one person? I want you to think of that one person if, if they're on your heart and if they quickly came, that, that's awesome. I want you to begin praying for them right now. And as you hear this, I want to encourage you how we are going to reach the masses by reaching one. Okay. And let me just be clear that as I, as I lay this out, this isn't a way that we can grow our local church to busting out the doors. I believe God will do that if we're faithful in this, but the, the, the motive in this is that his glory fill this earth, that people hear about Christ, that people repent and follow true discipleship. So we're going to be in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18, very familiar passage, the Great Commission. And so as you're turning there in your Bibles, if you want to turn there with me, page 835, I'm just going to show you real quick here in Matthew 28, um, kind of five points that I believe we can take from the Great Commission as we go to multiply. We're thinking about one person. How do we reach one person and then two people, then reaching two more people, and that's four, and then four people reaching four more people, and that's eight, and, and you get it, okay? You, you know where we're going with that. And so where does it begin? We want to look at where it begins and where it continues and where it will always be, where it will always be. Okay, where it begins, where it continues, and where it will always be. So Matthew 28, starting in verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. I am with you always to the end of the age. And so let us break this down in the next few minutes. Number one, all authority is in Christ. So Jesus has gathered his disciples. They're up on a mountain. There's 11 of them. And he has um, rebuked them for their unbelief. But then he's encouraging them. So I want, you to let, I want you to understand the audience right here. They're an unbelieving audience that wants to believe. And we, many times, are an unbelieving audience that truly wants to believe. Like we, really, we say we believe, but there's, there's many ways in which we doubt the authority of Jesus Christ. But be encouraged by this. That when you go to evangelize, when you go to reach somebody in the name of Jesus, you're doing it in the name of Jesus and not in the name of yourself. So what this requires is that we put our pride down, we put ourselves in the background, and we go in the name of Jesus. We have no authority. Everybody say no authority. We have no authority to save somebody. You can never go and say, hey, I saved this person, now let's baptize them. 
I did this. I packed a pew of 12 people. Every one of them got saved. Hey, what kind of award do I get? And you say, man, you're, you're really busting on pack a pew. Now, I think they could be good events. They can be. But this right here is the core. And so when you go, you're not going to persuade or convince or manipulate or water down or try to win somebody in your own strength. You only go in the authority of Christ. So that means the pressure is off. Everyone in the room can breathe a sigh of relief. You go, whew, that's good. That's good. Because I'm not really good at this whole evangelism thing. That's good. I can go in the authority of Christ, and Christ is good in this whole evangelism thing. So now that we breathe our sigh of relief, we understand that we're powerless to save, but the gospel is not. Jesus is not powerless to save. So if there's somebody that you're thinking that hit your heart and you're going, but, but they would never believe. They would never follow Jesus. This person absolutely never would. In fact, they've, they've told me they will never believe. My question to you is, do you believe the power of the gospel? Because aren't you saved? Aren't you following Christ? Here is the power of the gospel. Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So here's what I want to encourage you with, that as we step out this year and seek to multiply, reaching that one person, beginning with one person, you're going in the authority of Christ. You're trusting fully that Christ is going to do the work. You're just required to go and to speak and to be faithful. And then you trust Christ to do all the saving work. Number two, we go to make disciples, which means that we have one message because there's only one Savior. So when we do go to reach people, we can't water down the gospel. What they need to hear is that they need Jesus. What does a lost man need to know when he comes to Christ? That he is a sinner and that he has offended a holy God. He's not good in and of himself. These are conversations that you can have with your coworkers. These are conversations that you can have with your family members who may be in town with you right now. These are conversations you should be having with your children. That they hear and know that they have offended a holy God by their sin. And so what, what is their need? Their need is Jesus. Now, listen to how Jesus did evangelism. You ready? When Jesus is telling people around him, when he's in the synagogue, this is what Jesus says. Jesus, the soul winner. Here it is, John 6, 54 through 57. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Right there. Now, what if we just trained everyone to go do evangelism like that? What if we made a, a neat little pamphlet that says, okay, first you need to tell everybody they need to eat of the flesh of Jesus, and then they need to drink the blood of Christ, and they will surely be followers of Jesus. You go, man, that's crazy. Can we think of a different way? What does this mean? Why is Jesus going here? And, and why was the crowd confused? Because what he's saying is, I'm the true bread. I'm the true drink of what you see in the Old Testament. I'm fulfilling it. I sustain you. I am life. 
There's no life apart from me. So what the lost sinner needs to hear is that they think they're living, but life begins in Christ. When you begin to feast on Christ, when you understand what his body was for and what his blood was spilt for, when you begin to teach people that, that's the gospel. Don't try to get around it by saying, hey, you want to go to heaven? Just believe Jesus. No, tell them what Jesus requires. Dying to self and trusting in him, feasting on new things, not on things of the world. And so making disciples is painful, but it's painfully true. And it should cut us to the core. And it calls us to die to ourselves and rise up in Christ. Oh, but what a gift we receive in Christ because Jesus gives life because he is the life. John 14, 6, and Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we must tell people Jesus is the only way. But not only is he the only way for people in this land, he is the only way for the world. There are no other saviors out there. There are no other religions out there. So when you just hear somebody who says, yes, I have religious beliefs, don't stop there with that one person. Dig deeper and say, what do you mean? What do you believe? Who do you trust in? Is it Jesus? It's always got to come back to Jesus. Don't just be satisfied if they say, I believe God. Because that could be many things. Jesus is the dividing line. Do you believe in Christ? And understand this, that you may be compelled to go across the world to share the gospel. Is that what God's working in your heart right now? If he is, don't shut it off. Pray, seek him, because your greatest joy will be in being obedient to that and going. He may be calling you to stay here and reach people, but will you reach people if you stay here? Will you reach people one by one because no one comes to the Father except through Jesus? So we make disciples by making it obvious through our testimony and through the truth of the word that we're sinners in need of God and we feast on him. He is the only way. We don't circle around Jesus. We go to Jesus. We take all conversations to Jesus. And then number three, we baptize Baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now, what do we firmly believe about baptism? That baptism, much like circumcision of the Old Testament, baptism is that outward seal of I am a follower of Jesus. Some people would believe that baptism is necessary for salvation. What is necessary for salvation is to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. That's salvation. That's putting your trust because lost man just doesn't do that on his own. He must be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do so. So if you're confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, guess what? That person is saved. The Holy Spirit's working. It's not that you just arrived at this idea. No, the Holy Spirit's at work. A regeneration is happening in your heart and you're confessing. But then what is next? Baptism. Why? Because Jesus commands it. Why be baptized? Because when you are baptized in Christ Jesus, you are associating yourself with Christ in public. People say, can I, have a, can I just have a private baptism? Like, I don't want a lot of people around. You know, I just, maybe just family, just close. And, and here's what I challenge people with on that. I'm like, why? Why, 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 why? This baptism isn't about you. 
I told that to my six-year-old son this morning. We, we were talking, and he's saying, Dad, I, I, I believe in, in Christ. And we're, we're talking about baptism. We're going through this. And, 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 and here's the thing. Baptism is not about us. Baptism is all about Jesus. It's all for God's glory. It's a person who's going down into the water and raised up, and we rejoice, and we celebrate because that is a life that God has redeemed by his grace and his grace alone. So baptism is not about us. It is all about Christ. And when you are baptized, you are associating yourself with Jesus. You're saying, you know what? I didn't just pray a prayer and I'm just going to hang out in the shadows. No, I have been baptized. I'm now held accountable in the local church. I'm associating myself with Jesus. I'm unashamed of the gospel. And now I too am going to go and multiply. All of us are called to make disciples. And so we're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, associating ourselves with God and his family. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And have you been baptized? If you're struggling with the whole baptism thing because of what people may think or being in front of a bunch of people, let's, let's talk. Let's get together and talk. I, I get that there can be some struggles there. But I would love to encourage you. I'd love to challenge you. Let's not give up on this whole baptism thing. Baptism is a command. And as people say, do I need to be baptized to go to heaven? Look, that's the wrong question. (laughs) That is the wrong question to ask, is it not? The question should be, do I need to be baptized in order to walk in full obedience to Christ Jesus? Yes, you do. We're not just living here to go to heaven. We live in Christ. So if you want to live fully in Christ, then, then be baptized. Follow in obedience. Number four, teach and equip. So not only then, and and here's the process that I'm walking you through because discipleship doesn't end with somebody being saved and then baptized and then stop and we go, that's great. And let me tell you, we haven't been the best at this, at following up with people and it starts with me. I get that. And so this has hit me hard. And as I'm sharing it with you, when they're baptized, you know what that means? That we should latch on. We should surround the people that are baptized, the new brothers and sisters of the faith that are following Jesus. And we say, hey, let's walk with you. Let us get connected to a community group. Let's get you growing in the word. Let's just connect with somebody one-on-one. But if you're a big part of that person following Jesus, meaning you went out and you shared the gospel with them, you shouldn't leave them. You shouldn't leave them. You should still check on them. You should still walk with them, encourage them, teach and equip them what you know about Christ. And what you don't know about Christ, point them to somebody who does know about Christ. The win doesn't just remain with somebody repenting and being baptized and let's send those numbers into the GBC. Because I'm going to tell you right now, I care less about that. What we care about is that people repent and follow Christ and begin living and giving glory to God. That's what we care about. That's what's most important. And so with that, we want them living in Christ so we don't leave them as babies. We nurture them. We care for them. We share the word with them. We teach them. And this is hard because guess what? There are going to be days when people who have repented to follow Christ and look like Christ followers don't act like it. And they may go on a streak where they don't want to be at church. They may not want to read their Bible. You may sit down with them in discipleship and you may get frustrated because you're trying to lead them and they don't want to be led. What are you going to do? Are you going to give up on them? Or are you going to keep going after them? Keep going after them. Keep going after them. Teach and equip these who are now following Christ. And then number five, Christ is always with us. 
He ends this by saying, I am with you always to the end of the age. Wow, what a great promise. Let me tell you why that's so significant. Because making disciples, if, if you're doing this in your own strength, if you're doing this for your own recognition, it's going to destroy you. It's going to destroy you. Because you're going to be highly disappointed. And then you're going to try to do things in your own strength, and it's going to get all messy. But if you do this in the authority of Christ, and you teach people the word, and you are patient, and you don't leave people after they've made a good confession and been baptized to just figure it out for themselves, but you walk with them, there are going to be many disappointments, but so many great joys. And you're going to see people growing in Christ. That should be our goal. And that's what I'm challenging you, Perimeter Road Baptist Church, that we do together this next year. That you begin to pray for one person that you would share Jesus with, that you would have conversations about Christ. Just ask them, do they believe in Jesus? Take, just take the conversation to Jesus and go from there. We would love to help you with more. If you have questions, we'll help you with those things. As a staff, as pastors, we will help you. We will help to equip in those conversations. But take it to Jesus. And then when we see people repent and follow Christ this next year and are baptized, don't let off the gas. Continue to disciple. Continue to teach. Continue to equip. Don't leave them by themselves. And when you get discouraged because you're going, I don't, I don't know if they really got it. I don't know if they really understand this. Or you go and share the gospel with that one person and they say, you know what? I don't want us to ever have this conversation again, so let's just drop it. And all of a sudden there's that awkward silence and you don't know where to take the conversation from there. And you just say, check, please. Right, go on. <laughs> if that happens, look, I am with you always to the end of the age. Christ is still there. Christ didn't say, you pathetic loser, you blew it. Come on, man, how hard is it? I mean, what I did, I did a good work. I mean, couldn't you just put the gospel out there in a way that they believe it? You failed. And maybe that's how we feel sometimes. And maybe that's why we're afraid to step out and even tell one person. No, 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 no. You pray for that one person. You begin sharing Jesus with that one person. And then you trust that Christ is with you always. And that your desire is that Christ will always be with them as well. Let's multiply this year. Let's multiply. Let's start with one. And if there's a good work working with one, let's go to two. And then if there's a good work with two, you go to three. But you know what? Let's also hold each other accountable that when we see people saved, that we're making sure that these people are followed up with. Today, do you follow Jesus? Are you, are you a Christ follower? Have you repented and trusted Jesus Christ that what he did on the cross was for you, that he, he died for your sins and that your sins are forgiven? Do you believe that? Have you made a good confession that Jesus is Lord? If you haven't, today, are you where you want to follow Jesus? Today, do you believe that Christ died on the cross? That he shed his blood? And that that blood cleanses you of all your sin and that there's no other way to the Father except through Jesus? If you believe that today and you don't have a relationship with Christ, meaning you haven't died to yourself to follow Christ, today, make the good confession that Jesus is Lord, that he died for you on the cross, Ask God to forgive you of those sins and begin walking in Christ.
I'm going to be standing right here, and, and Will's going to be standing right over here. We, we'd love to talk with you. Mr. Charlie's going to be right in the back there. Those double doors. If you want to come talk to us about following Jesus or you want to check on that connection card about following Christ, d- do that. You're, you're not going to inconvenience anyone. We would love to follow up with you with your questions about following Jesus. But if, if you're at a point now where you're saying, I want to follow Christ, repent and follow him right now. Right now. Church, will you pray for that one person? Maybe, maybe what we'll do during this time as we sing is some of you will come up here and you'll pray for that one person that's on your heart. Maybe there's more than one. Pray for them. It begins by praying for them and asking God to do this great work. So you lead as God follows as we move forward from this point. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this good news. And we ask that you work in your mighty power to save. Lord, may we be unashamed of the gospel. And Lord, may we see multiplying as starting with one and being very intentional with them, loving them, encouraging them. God, give us through the power of the Holy Spirit patience to endure with new believers. And Father, may we patiently endure all of our afflictions. And God, may we walk in the joy of Christ Jesus. Father, even when we are struggling to believe the gospel, but we've been commanded to preach it, will you help our unbelief? Will you empower us by the Holy Spirit? Strengthen us where we are weak. May our eyes remain on Christ. We love you, Lord. We ask your blessings as we go forth to reach the world in the name of Jesus. Amen.